You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode, uh, music episode for you today. We've done a lot recently of musical episodes in Oklahoma, but um, we're going to talk a little bit about music. We're also going to talk about a cafe and some coffee. Um, but my podcast guest today is Mr. Greg Upchurch, who if you Google him, you will know he is a drummer. He played in Three Doors Down and Puddle of Mud and went to UCO and yeah, has a lot of cool stuff going on. But thanks so much for your time. Before we dive into all the music stuff, what's uh, what's current life like? What have you been up to? Um, Being in Oklahoma a lot and... I forget about the weather, like how it rapidly it changes from one day to the next. But uh, I've been uh, pretty much in Oklahoma working on the coffee shop, uh, trying to get it ready because we're about to go on tour. So I uh, trying to get the finishing touches, I guess, uh, the best I can. Yeah, it's a lot of things then, you know, a lot of things you've got to get in line and employees and I mean, all of that stuff, right? Probably all the things that most people don't think of. It's all the little things that, you know, it's not just making coffee. Yeah, I'm just finding out the little things now. And there's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, The more I think about it, the more worried I get. But uh, I just try to breathe, breathe, keep breathing and I'll be okay. I mean, I need to play in front of people just so I can, like, go back to normal life. Because that's my normal life, is doing that, you know. Yeah. This is like a fish out of water kind of thing, but I'm enjoying it. I mean, I love it. It's been just as gratifying as anything else I've ever, ever experienced, really. Yeah. Like, that. that's what's kind of, you know, it's the opposite for you than it is for most people, right? You're comfortable in your place of Zen and peace is on stage in front of thousands of people, you know, opening a coffee shop for you is probably like, wow, this, I'm really nervous. Whereas most people would walk out in front of a crowd on stage and think I I can't even speak, you know? Yeah. It's definitely polar opposite. Um, Playing shows doesn't bother me. I mean, I've been doing it for so long, you know, but like, I'm more worried, like, how's your coffee? Not like, it's kind of like, you know, listen to this song I wrote. Now it's like, what do you think of the coffee? I don't know if he really likes it. He's just saying that he likes it. You know, I, I hope he thinks it's delicious. I hope he loves this song. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's been a go- good overall reaction. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a different nervousness. I'm, I, like I said, I'll be more relaxed when I'm going on stage and those kinds of things. It's, I'm more in my comfort zone. Yeah. So let's, let's go back then. Let's start with the music and where drumming comes a part of your life and and all that. And we will get to, you know, the coffee shop on the back end, but tell me a little bit about kind of your upbringing, how you get into music, you know, first memories of playing drums and just kind of that whole, you know, how how does, how does that fall into place? Well, I mean, growing up in a small, small town, 
uh, in Oklahoma, one red light kind of thing. Um, I don't ever remember starting the drums. I just remember being able to just do it and just like, it made sense to me. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I got like a Kiss record, I think when I was like six years old or something and I was just was mesmerized by it and listened to it and had a record player and I mean, just, and it went on from there and I just fell in love with it. Um, I never took any lessons because there was nobody here really that taught lessons. Mm-hmm. So um, I just kind of learned on my own. And obviously this is before YouTube and all those things. So I would go get these VHS tapes, instructional videos, and I'd look and I'd work on it and I'd learn it. But uh, I had really good band directors in Kingston. I had two really good ones, Rick Roach and uh, Bill Taylor. And uh, I think that they like to, I like to think that they saw something in me like I could do something with this. I mean, what, I mean, because with this industry and music, what I've found is it doesn't, the better you, it doesn't, how do I phrase this? It's not based on your talent alone. Because if it was the case, I mean, it'd be the best musicians in every band. It's, you have to write the songs. That's one thing. Step one. And two, just be able to, don't, in my case, don't speed up, don't slow down, and be pleasant to get along with. I mean, really, mm-hmm. like I tell you know people all the time, don't be an addict and don't be, a, and I mean, everything will work out usually if you follow those two things. Um, but I grew up in Oklahoma wanting to be like in rap, you know, or Motley Crue. You know, I'd be washing dishes and have my headphones on. And uh, I got a scholarship in jazz music at the University of Central Oklahoma in Edmond. And I moved to Edmond right. I mean, I graduated on Saturday and I was gone on Sunday. I mean, my car was packed and ready to go. So I moved to Edmond and I went to school there and I was in the jazz program on scholarship. And then I started gigging a lot, like in what is now, I believe, Bricktown really wasn't a thing back then. Nobody went to Bricktown. But we went to Campus Corner in New Orleans a lot. You know, I played all the bars around there, VZDs, Sapango. Uh, there used to be Samurai Saki House. I played all those places. But I was doing like four nights a week. Mm-hmm. And my friends were really failing me, so to speak. Uh, so I ended up losing my scholarship. Uh, but I was, I thought I was rich. I was making a hundred bucks a night playing drums, 91 or 92, you know? And, uh, and then I had a friend of mine that moved to Los Angeles. He played bass in the band, one of the bands in the city. And he moved to Los Angeles about a year earlier. And he called me, he's like, yeah, you should come out here. We need a drummer in my funk band. You can move to LA, you can live here in an apartment with me and my roommate. And I can get you a job in Hollywood because he worked at a music store. And I was thinking, well, what, why, maybe why not? I don't know. And I called my dad and my dad was like, if you're going to do it, do it now. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember him saying that. And so I packed up all my stuff after in 90, it was right after, I know this sounds weird, but it was right after the Bronco chase. That was just the Broncos chase. Cause I remember watching that in BZDs. Yeah. I remember that's like the last thing I saw the last, my gig in Oklahoma city. And then, uh, and literally, and this is what's crazy, how the world works, is the day before I moved, to, or actually the day I'm moving to Los Angeles, I stopped off at a place called Sound Warehouse, because the night before on a show called Beavis and Butthead, I saw this band called Eleven. And I remember watching it, and of course, Beavis and Butthead's ragging on it, doing what they do, you know? And I saw the video a little later that night on a show called 120 Minutes, you know, when people watched MTV, that was the only way you got music videos and things. So I picked up that cassette on my drive to Los Angeles, on my move. And then I listened to it probably a good 10 times, and I really liked it. And so I listened to that on the way. I got my, I moved in with these two guys. I lived in a, uh, slept on an air mattress behind a couch. And I worked in Hollywood. We, this was in North Hollywood, which is different. You got to go over the hill and you get into Hollywood from North Hollywood. I found that out. I was like, I, I was like, I'm in Hollywood. No, you're in North Hollywood. There's a difference. So uh, I was working at Guitar Center in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard. And I'm working in the drum department. And these two people walked in from that band, 11. And I was like, hey, I immediately went over to them. You know, hey, can I help you out? You know, what can I do? And uh, 
they had mentioned that I talked about how much I love their band. They mentioned their drummer quit and he joined Pearl Jam. And this was probably 94, something like that. And I was like, I know all your stuff. And I'm fresh from Oklahoma. No style, no nothing. Look, you know, country boy, Kingston, you know. And she, there's, there's two of them. There's two other people. She's from Moscow and he's from Chile. But they lived in Hollywood and they were rock stars. They looked like rock stars, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, they called me up for an audition and I went in an audition. And uh, I remember they played some weird, like, odd time stuff. But I had that jazz music education in Edmond. So I could figure it out. I was able to play with them and keep up with them. And they called me a couple of weeks later. You know, I already thought I lost that. I didn't get the gig. And then they called me and I got the gig. And the first thing out of the box was like, we're going to go open up for Soundgarden for six weeks in Europe. I'm like, what? I mean, I never, I've never been to, you know, I was stunned. I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, it was us and Moby. Do you remember Moby? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was doing a punk rock thing at the time and Soundgarden. And this was 95, 96. And uh, we did six weeks of Europe, but I'm driving the minivan from in Barcelona and Prague and like Italy, Bologna, Milan. I'm driving this minivan following this tour bus, you know? And it was like incredible. And I'm hanging out with Soundgarden, like in catering and hanging out in the hotel bars with them because we're staying in the same hotels all the time. They paid for us to go. Soundgarden was fans of the band. We weren't even on a label. They paid for us to all our expenses. It was crazy. And uh, gave me a salary out of their budget. And uh, so we did that tour. And then uh, we ended Soundgarden broke up. Well, Chris left Soundgarden. And he did a solo record. And we did his solo record. We recorded it. And then we ended up doing two years touring on that record. So, you know, I'm in a band with Chris Cornell, for Christ's sake. You know, I'm, at this point, I'm like 26, you know? And like, I'm, you know, now that I'm 51, I look at it, I'm like 26-year-old doing that. It's kind of crazy. So uh, I did that. And then we were actually going to start a band. I mean, we were thinking of band names. I mean, we were going to be, Chris was going to be singing. I'm, you know, we were going to be this band. And then I remember coming one day after the tour had been done for a while, I went back. And uh, the girl, the woman in the band from Russia, she was crying. And I was like, what happened? And she looked at me and she's like, I don't know if I can say it, but she's like, audio slave. I'm like, audio slave? What's that? She goes, that's a band. He's in with Rage Against the Machine. I'm like, oh, my God. And I felt gutted because like, I called my friends and told them we we're starting this band. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then all of a sudden, audio slave. I'm like, oh, my God. So that's that's how that affected me, that whole thing, you know. Yeah. And so that was a big deal. And I'm like, we tried the 11th thing. We did another tour with uh, Queens of the Stone Age. And that was, and they were still pretty new. It was their second record they were touring. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And then I got an audition for a band called Puddle of Mud. And I'd never heard of them at this point. This is 99, 2000, somewhere in there. And I got that gig. And then, of course, that band just blew up. You know, and we did about four years with the, I was in the band for about four and a half years, close to five years. And then we did a tour with Three Doors Down mm-hmm. and um, and Nickelback. There was the three of us. And at some point during the tour, Nickelback had talked the drummer for Three Doors Down to leave Three Doors Down and join Nickelback. I mean, I didn't know any of this, but I guess they were like, you know, courting him, so to speak. But he was Canadian, and they're Canadian, so it made sense. I mean, if you when you look at it, and uh, I'm actually born in Louisiana, so I'm kind of close to Mississippi. I got Cajun family background, but uh, I showed up to the drum audition in a camouflage Saints hat, and they were like, "Uh oh, you might have already got the gig." But they'd already seen me play with Puddle because of the tour and stuff, and I just kind of, I pretty much kind of had the gig. I hate to sound like that, but it's just like, they just wanted to confirm it and meet me and play. And so I got that gig, and then I've been in that with Three Doors Down now for 18 years. Wow. So it's crazy to think that I'd be, I'm still doing what I love to do when I was nine years old, you know, and that's that's wild. Yeah. And in music music years, this is like, I mean, eight, 18 years in one band, and they've been together not that much longer than that, but just that's a long time in this industry to be able to continue to play 
shows and, you know, have people, you know, selling out venues, singing 80% of our songs. It's crazy, right? Yeah, but that's, I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of my story. A lot of crazy shit happened in between that. You know, there's a lot of tons of tidbits that I'll save for the book one day. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, that's kind of the synopsis of everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's so many things, right? Like, you know, the fact that you, you call your dad and say, Hey, I'm, you know, what do you think? And he's like, you're going to go. Now's the time to go. Right. And, you know, if, if he did, if he hadn't have said that, then, you know, none of that would have happened. Right. Yeah, absolutely. If you just said, I don't think it's a good idea, mm -hmm. blah, 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 something, because, and, you know, and I'm thinking about it and he told me that once he's like, if you're, it's okay to be broke when you're 22. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to be broke when you're 42. Mm -hmm. The difference, you know, and I just try not to put too much pressure on myself to grow up too fast. I need to experience things, you know, and it's good. Like I said, it's good to struggle and be broke mm -hmm. to understand what a dollar means and what success is. I mean, cause I've had ver several versions of like, I made it my first time on stage over for Soundgarden. I made it. And then, well, that turns over. I had to go back and get my job again. Mm -hmm. Go back and then all of a sudden I'm playing Chris Cornell. Now I've made it. I'm on a tour bus. I'm not driving the van. I'm on a, I made it. Well, that's ended. I had to go back and get a day job painting houses. And so I've had all these ups and downs, ups and downs. And I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way because if I would have had that courage trajectory of like being successful right at a young age and just maintaining that. I mean, I can see where people get a little psychological because they don't understand reality and, and to some degree. Not everyone, but, you know, I look at people like a Michael Jackson who just kind of like became this huge star at like 10 or whatever. And he just kind of stayed at that age. I mean, he never knew what home economics, you know, I can't pay the gas bill. I can't, you know what I mean? Like the, the things that we all usually struggle with. I mean, you don't know what that means. It's kind of hard to, you know, what do you mean you're broke? I don't understand. You know, that's a weird mentality. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, you know, and it's, you know, the kind of, because you've been doing it for so long and you've gone through so many different phases and the industry has gone through so many different phases, right? Sometimes there's loads of money in it and rock music is kind of the, the thing, right? And then it's not, and it's, you know, it's. Well, I, I feel like I've gone the way of the coal miner in a way, because like my industry, when I was growing up, you made money, you were rich and famous and la la la, you know, all this stuff. And Cause I got a taste of it, you know, with Puddle of Mud, there wasn't really downloads and things in the late nineties, early two thousands where you bought CDs or whatever, you know, and then kind of Napster hit. And then I remember it was a big hubbub and Lars Ulrich and I was making that whole mess about it, but you weren't stopping that train, you know, it just, yeah. it just, it came and it came fast and it just took away a lot of people's livelihoods as far as like now, I mean, we have to go out and tour. Mm -hmm. to make any sort of you know yeah. something substantial I mean substantial meaning like pay our basic bills right you know make an income <laughs> yeah have a right. my royalty checks are uh, it's, I'm not paying a mortgage on that you know what I mean like yeah. but like I said I didn't write kryptonite I didn't write she hates me I didn't write any of that stuff but uh, that's you know the, the difference in what my occupation my instrument is yeah I mean Right stuff, but nothing that's been a hit, you know, that it takes to, you know, you got to write a hit to make it, you know, make an income on royalties from Spotify or YouTube or whatever, what have you, right. but you, or you have to sell merchandise. You have to, you know, hustle still. Yeah. 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 And, and you mentioned like the tour, you got the tour coming up this year. When is it? Is it June? It starts first date in Baltimore. Is that I, right? Yeah. I want to say it's June 12th or June 5th. 14th. I don't know. I hope that's yeah. But uh it starts in yeah, Baltimore and it goes everywhere in the country except Oklahoma and Nebraska. Yeah. And like straight up like Kansas, Nebraska, like North South Dakota, North Dakota. No shows right up in there. But everywhere else, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um I think it's 49 shows. Yeah. It'll be uh about close to four months, mm -hmm. which will be good. I mean, we'll, just, we'll do these one-offs, we call them. Like, we'll go fly to a show or fly to a couple shows one month. or fly, 
and it's just hard to get in a rhythm. And when you're on tour, it just makes it so much easier. You just kind of get in this cycle. Your playing gets better. Your the band gets tighter. The crews, I mean, they're they're getting more things locked down from the sound man, the lighting guy, the techs, even. You know, everybody gets more dialed in. So you, it gets in a good rhythm. Yeah, yeah. And clearly, I mean, you said you're 51 years old. You clearly enjoy it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. You know, still. I just don't know what else to do. I mean, other than this thing here, but it's like, uh, I mean, it, I, it is like, I think I was like, not until like 44 or something like, well, I guess I'm a drummer. I guess, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I guess this is it, you know? Cause I've always thought in my head, like, well, I'm gonna have to do something else at some point. Yeah. I want to have something else. And then I, I wasn't going to work at Lowe's. I mean, no offense to anybody that does, but I'm just saying I just mm. I want to do something, and that's when this whole coffee shop thing is like bringing something back home to my small town, so the young kids here can see like, you know, don't sell yourself short and think that you can't do something because of where you're from. Everybody's from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's up to you to go out and get it. It really everything is a, is attainable in a country like this. Uh, way that you know. The freedoms that we have that you can go move anywhere in the country, you know, you can go to where the work is, whether it's Los Angeles or whether it's Nashville or New York or Chicago, Dallas, whatever city it is, depending on what industry it is that you're looking to do, mm -hmm. you have to just go get it. Yeah. I mean, bottom line. Yeah. Was it, was it pretty important to you to come back to Kingston and have it in Kingston rather than doing it in Oklahoma City or somewhere else? This is the only place that makes sense. Yeah. To me, I mean, I love this little community and it's tiny, but it's beautiful. It's got a great lake. Um, it's a resort town, you know, a lot of fishing and I like to fish. Um, I mean, Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani have a house here. I mean, that's pretty good, you know. Not to say like they know what, you know, oh my God, they live here or they know everything, but I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's pretty good. Yeah. They don't, you know, they don't live in Lawton. You know what I mean? No offense to Lawton, but I'm just saying. I've been to Lawton. Uh, but, you know, we got a lake. Um, but, no, I mean, I I wanted also, my mom's 86. I wanted to do something while she's around. I mean, she's fine, but I just, like, I just wanted to get close with her and ask her every question I can think of and just be around her as much as I can. Because I'll actually, I've, I mean, this is the longest I've ever been away from my wife and my my son. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's been hard. I have a hard time with that. And I'm sure they do too. But when I go on tour, we tour, it's kind of nice that we leave Tuesday evening. We'll go to the bus, get on the bus. We'll play Wednesday, day off Thursday, play Friday, Saturday, come home Sunday. Mm -hmm. Be home Sunday and Monday, all day Tuesday, and then leave Tuesday night, same thing. So I'm home three days every week. Yeah, that's really helpful. That's that's the appeal of Nashville in this industry is that we can play New York, oh, be in New York overnight. We can be in Florida overnight. We can be in Dallas. We can be in Detroit. Other than the West Coast, we can hit just about any city overnight and be home the following day if need be. Yeah. But that's what makes it nice, that central location. Yeah, that's super helpful, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. The family and you know all that stuff going on, and it's uh, we, so so the coffee shop. Then let's dive into that. Why? When did that become an idea? And and obviously, you know, you thought that there was only one place for it, so you kind of knew it was coming home. And and then you know, it's called the Rock and Goat Cafe, right? I mean, where does the name come from? And let's let's dive into all that. Well, um, my mom owns this building that we're in, mm -hmm. and it was. Nothing in it, really. I mean, there's storage, kind of. But uh, I wanted to do something with it. And I wasn't sure. I didn't know what to do, really. And thought about it. And I was like, I don't drink alcohol anymore. I got sober about nine years ago. And uh, I, I'm addicted to coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's no coffee here. And then I started going to coffee shops in Nashville. And like one was a, a house. One was like an old cabin and they had a coffee shop kind of set up in there. I'm like looking around and I'm like, 
maybe I can do something like this. It's not like a full restaurant, but there's customers. I mean, Starbucks has done it. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, every time I go to Starbucks, I mean, you sit there and you look, it just doesn't stop as far as customers all day, especially in the mornings when you get those rushes, just like Jesus. Yeah. Um, so going back to kind of like the weird, like things like the universe pulling me towards this, I was sitting with my friends and that's when they were like, we started kind of like, I had a day off. We were on tour with Collective Soul and I was at my buddy's house with another friend. It was Joe and Melinda, friends of mine since I was little here in Oklahoma. And they're like, yeah, well, you put all your gold records and all your stuff in there. And it's like, oh, cool. That'll give it like a vibe, you know, give it like a theme. And then that kind of like, it started to kind of snowball into, uh, what, okay, what more things we can do and what cool things we can do with that. Oh, let's put a record player in there. I have music and I can do the songwriting thing. I can have songwriters get together. You know, I'm just really going crazy thinking of these different ideas. And Melinda, she was she was trying to come up with names, and she had one called the Dancing Goat. And I was like, okay, the Dancing Goat. I'm like, my favorite coffee shop that I've ever been to is in Hillsburg, California, called the Flying Goat. I'm like, okay, the Dancing Goat. So what does Dancing Goat mean? I don't even know. It's got to be something with goats. So I look it up, and I guess the uh, fable is is that goats and eat the Ethiopian goat herders when they would go up they the goats would eat the little cherries, the coffee cherries, and they would look like they were dancing. Mm-hmm. And then they discovered caffeine basically in these cherries. And uh, so I was like, okay, well, that's, I get it. So the dancing goat. That was so it my th- first thought is like, well, is there a dancing goat? Is there another dancing goat? So I look and I found one and it was the address was it was in Kingston, United Kingdom on Beverly Road. And my mom's name is Beverly. And she's the one who gave me this building. And now in Kingston. So I'm like, well, that's the name. So I had shirts printed up. I had I was about to open. And then I got a cease and desist from a place called the Dancing Goats in Tacoma, Washington. And I somehow mis overlooked that one. And I was like, mine was Greg's Dancing Goat, and this was the Dancing Goats. And I'm like, can I fight this? Should I fight this? You know, because I already, you know, had I thought about it. I was like, I only got about really like I printed shirts up. I didn't open yet. I didn't really invest too much in it. So I'm like, well, I can just change it and just call it a day. And then I'm like, the German goat, the smoking goat, the drinking goat, and then rock and goat. And I was like, it's got to be music themed. And I was like, fine. I'm like, what's the name? I was in a band called Puddle of Mud. What really, like, Three Doors Down, what the hell does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, what's in a name? Really just trying to make, it's the goat. You know, that makes it memorable, I guess, more so. It doesn't tongue as well, but still, it's it's fine. It gets the job done. Right. It's my location. There's not a lot of goats of any sort, so I'm okay. But uh, that's how that name became a thing, is uh, the the coincidences. And then about a month, about the same time, a guy comes in here, his name's J.D. Smith, and he grew up here. He's younger than me. I mean, so I graduated years before him. He's, I don't know exactly how much younger, but we didn't bump into each other when I lived here. Um, but he was like, I had talked to him about it cause I knew he roasted coffee and about using his coffee in the shop. Well, he came in, he's like, hey, you should roast here. I was like, yeah. Okay. And he's like, yeah, I could bring my roaster up and we could roast here. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, and he, he owns a coffee farm. He lives on a coffee farm in Bolivia. And so that's where he is now, but he still comes up, you know, here, his parents live here. And so we're basically getting his coffee beans from his farm direct to us. So there's no man, uh, middleman and all the nonsense. I mean, he's actually flown on the plane, checked bags of coffee in. You know what I mean? Right. I think, I think we have three more bags and they're in his rental car, in his car at the airport. <laughs> Like that's where our next three bags are. So we're totally like 
startup startup. Mm. No. Um, but we've had a lot of success, especially here and having the fact that we roast our coffee, you know, days before you mm-hmm. maybe even the before we roasted it and you're drinking it here. You know what I mean? So that's a big advantage. And we make our own K cups. We have our own uh bags of coffee. We produce everything here in-house. Got our website, we ship all over the country right now. So I mean it's been uh six months now i think we've been open mm-hmm. i think so and uh we're about to hit our summer here and that's when people i mean the population quadruples yeah here the summer and i'm the only game in town when it comes to the coffee shop mm-hmm. so i mean they've got like a some a drive-through place in another town over and there's starbucks and stuff and Cause I've met people that drives 20, they drive 20 miles to Starbucks when they're here in the summer for coffee. I'm like, you, wow. You, I mean, so I'm like, I got them. I'm yeah. not where I come in here. Hmm. Uh, but like I said, I'm like trying to get this thing as streamlined as I can before. Cause when I'm gone, I'll be gone for four months, hmm. but I got the right people in place, I think. And, uh, kind of set it and forget it and just hope for the best. And, because now you can order everything through Amazon or web store. There's websites in order to have them delivered to your place, which has changed the game as far as being in a small town. You know, I remember like having to go to Dallas because you needed like a wing nut for a symbol stand or something. You know what I mean? Like now you just have it shipped from Amazon in two days. Yeah. Yeah. It's epic, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so which, uh, you, you know, you mentioned being sober nine years and is, you know, getting into coffee and what, what is your kind of, you know, we can dive down the rabbit hole for a little bit on your, you know, what style of coffee you like the best, you know, I mean, it's now become an addiction, right. And now a business. So, you know, what, what is it that you prefer and get into and, you know, are you preparing it a certain way? Well, we have one of our baristas, she makes, we have a special usually every season and that's what we're, we've, I mean, we didn't plan on this. It's been, it's happened organically. She's like fantastic at making these syrups, these homemade syrups. So we made uh, a peppermint one for um, Christmas. We had a chocolate covered strawberry for Valentine's and we got an Irish cream for St. Patrick's Day. And Irish cream has been very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, selling out of it pretty fast, and uh, and then we'll, we'll move on to another one like for summer or late spring. And uh, so I've been enjoying all that because I normally just drink Americanos, like espresso drinks, or, or just even a drip coffee. I like cold brew a lot now mm-hmm. because I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't familiar with cold brew until about three years ago, and then. I realized like there's twice as much caffeine in that coffee than a regular cup. I'm like, oh my God. So I started, that's what I'm drinking now. I'm drinking the cold brew. But uh, I mean, I, I like the Irish cream's really tough to beat because it's, it's weird. The, the alcoholic in me, it's like, I swear that I taste the whiskey in this, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I mean, she does fantastic stuff. And we just started doing chicken salad sandwiches, this homemade just in-house uh, limited availability. So and we're selling out of it every time we do it. So that's been good. Yeah. So it sounds like, it sounds like you're just kind of starting small and adding things as you go, instead of just like, Hey, we're now a cafe and we're doing breakfast and all the other stuff, you know, it's, it's building slowly. But yeah, my thing was, is I'm not going to have a menu. I'm going to do one thing, do one thing, make sure to do it good. Yeah. That's it. And I figured like, and I'm from here, and I know when I come here, it doesn't take but about 24 hours, so I'm over it on my food options. Yeah. You got chicken fried steak, which is good, you know, or something like diner style. You got cheeseburger, like Sonic or something. Mm-hmm. They got a uh, Subway, which I can't stand. Um, there's a fried chicken or a fish frying place, but it's only open Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and it's great, mm-hmm. but still. Fried fish, fried hush puppies, French fries, fried this. So everything's fried and greasy. So my thing is, is like, 
I wanted to do something light, so I did a really good chicken salad with grapes and toasted pecans and mm. a toasted croissant. So it's light and a side of grapes, not chips or fries. Because my, my thing is my customer base is a lot of women. And especially in the summertime when they're going to be going to the lake and possibly putting on a bikini or a bathing suit or something like that, they might re- be more willing to get a chicken salad on a croissant than a double bacon cheeseburger. You know what I mean? So I and from, so my and there's a market here for that too because there's not a lot of places that offer that. And it's good. You know what I mean? I just want to make sure it's really good and it's homemade. And uh, we've had, a, we had just started last week and it was, like I said, a very positive response. And I'm curious to see like what happens this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, hopefully I can keep selling out and I have to get more and make more. And then, you know, just, but I don't do it every day. I just do it on Wednesdays and Saturdays because it's got to have some, Exclusive. Mm-hmm. What's the word? Exclu- exclusivity. I yeah. think sort of. Um, but it just because in every day, plus, I mean, it would be way too much work. Because <laughs> we need those days that we don't sell it, so we can make it to sell it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, right. You got to do it right. It's got to be done the right way. And uh, you're right. It, it kind of makes it special when you do have the days where you do have the chicken salad and it's, you know, it becomes, it becomes a thing then, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe Tuesdays will be avocado toast day or so. I don't know. I yeah. mean, just that, who knows what, cause I don't know what I'm doing. So right. I'm, I'm just going forward. Like, what does this town need? What do I think? Listen to the customers. What do they like? Because it's not about what I like. What about what I want? It's like, what do they want? Yeah. How do you feel that need? And I was, and I brought up the chicken salad idea. I was like, I brought it up, and every everybody, oh my god, that'd be great. And I kept getting that response. So I knew it was like, okay, I got to do this, but I just got to make sure I get it right and get it where people like it. Yeah. How and it's not normal chicken salad, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that that makes it special. What? Um, so. Before we run out of time here, uh, tell tell me where where people can find it, and I'll, you know, and, and Instagram, social media, all the stuff, all the and you know where they can go and buy, not just coffee but merch as well. Um, well, we have a website, Greg's Rockin' Goat, Rockin', not Rockin', so there's one G, mm-hmm. so it's GregRockin'Goat.com, and that's our website, and you can order our coffee, our bag coffee, our cake cups, t-shirts. Uh, tumblers, coffee mugs. I've got some new merch I'm starting because I just started having it pretty simple. Um, and in store, I'm going to start some more summery type of things. Like, I want to do some tank tops, you know, like these. Uh, starting adding that kind of stuff. Um, getting feedback from the customers too, because my baristas that work here are really good about you know inquiring. They care about it because it's like I got the coolest job in town. Yeah, I probably that because we listen to vinyl records. We got a vibe. It smells like coffee. We're, you know, it's it's a very good energy here. I mean, when people come in, they're just yeah, I love watching their like, especially if they don't know anything. They're like looking around and like, is the owner really in the three doors down? And like, what's they don't know? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, okay. well, I'm, they figured out. They're like, oh my god, yeah. I'm like. If I would, if I was famous, you would know who I was. I was famous, yeah. You're right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, how famous is that, really? Yeah. I guess, yes. Yeah, some you might know somebody that knows who I am, but you know. Anyway, brilliant. Um, but I'm located in Kingston. I'm right at the red light, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, 109 uh, Highway 70, which is funny. It's like if you take this Highway 70 and stayed on it and went east. It turns into Broadway in Nashville where all the honky tonks are and took seats and all the night. Yeah, it's Highway 70. And if you took it, it's it's great. When I'm in Nashville, I'll talk to my friends and musician friends. I'm like, yeah, my coffee place, get on Broadway, make a right and stand up for three weeks. (laughs) It'll be right on your left, right before you threw it. Like, no, like I said, it's been slowly building, slowly getting more successful. And it's, and the, the community loves it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the high school art class is gonna come down and paint my whole sidewalk's gonna be piano keys. Yeah, that's great. And then I'm 
tables out there. I want to get an awning because the best advertisement, better than a sign, is people sitting at tables outside on, on the outside the building. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "What is that?" You know, yeah. get it. So, so, yeah, and then like I'm, I'm starting to see it. It's kind of contagion. It's kind of like a, a, like the I'm starting to see flowers across the street now. People starting to kind of like I'm up in the game, so to speak. I like you know that was kind of a, my hope is that this is such a this town has so much potential to be right. super. And we just built a brand new casino. It opened up last week. Yeah. So so. This is really going to re- revitalize the town. Then it's going that way, right? It seems like you know the plan is to bring in a lot more other things and and maybe you know just bring more more travel dollars and stuff to the town of Kingston, right? Well, yeah, my idea was hopefully to build a destination, not just a drive by. Hey, there's a coffee shop. People come here for the coffee shop, and right. uh, you know I've been seeing that a little bit and a lot because, like I said, I, I got the vibe. And it's I got a story here. It's a business with a story. And then if I can, you know, get people here, like I was thinking like on Tuesdays or something, have songwriter days where songwriters get together to write songs. Like if you walk into a coffee shop and see people in there writing a song, like it's kind of neat. You might want to hang out. At least I would, you know, I'd be yeah. like, it's just something that's, <clears throat> you know, like if people say, oh, if you ever go through Kingston, you got to go to this little crazy coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Like I want something like that. Like word of mouth kind of thing, yeah. But uh, I mean, who knows how big I can expand this? I mean, I, I just, I'll just keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, you, the good thing is you've got the coffee connection already, right? Like, yeah. usually that's the hardest part sometimes, and is getting a good coffee dealer, if you want to quote it that way. Yeah, and I'm, I'm roasting it right on the other side of this wall. Yeah. And dealing into that and you know diving into that and then you know once you kind of nail down the employee side of things and the, the logistics then like you said you, you 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 can then go to marketing and you know and, and i know that lacy from chickasaw country was who put us together and you know told me to reach out and she um you know obviously you're here in the travel department are doing great things for businesses like yourselves helping out with exposure and getting it out there oh absolutely i mean that's the great thing about it. i mean there's organizations like they've got local organizations and the Chickasaw has been great. I mean, uh, just keeping tourism going down here because that's the lifeblood of this community is, you know, tourism to the lake and things like that, because not every place has, you know, antlers or for instance, I mean, they don't have like, I don't know what you do in antlers, probably hunt something. I would imagine it's called antler after all. I'm just using it as an example. Right. But, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of promise here. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's a lot of uh, money that comes in the summertime. And uh, I just think it, like if we could build something with shops and proper parking and make it like a proper mm-hmm. downtown, you know, it, who knows what it could be, but I just think it's coming with the casino and all that is coming, you know, I can see everywhere I go, they just go, it's getting more and more. They're building more and more. Another building's coming in. Another place is coming in. There's going to be Arby's down there. There's going to be, in time, there's going to be stuff. Yeah. But as long as my thing is get here first before Starbucks or whatever, because it it is going to come. Yeah. Yeah, because then you build that. I mean, you have the connection, right? You have the story. You grew up there. You have all the things that you know, justify it to the local town, local community, because they'll know, and they're the ones that are going to support you when the, when the tourists aren't there, right? Yeah. I mean, the communities, that's why I opened it up right at the end of summer, because that way, if I would open it before summer, I would have been overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I would have, you know, it would have been too much. And so I opened it up at the end of, you know, in the fall. And I know from my mom having a business here, a restaurant for 30 years, Hmm. you're going to, these are the downtimes. This is only really the community, the local community that's coming to your business mm-hmm. and a few occasional people that are driving through. So if you can get the community behind it and they like it, they'll, you know, they'll support you. And I've seen it. I've got regulars coming in every day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've been very supportive. So now I know what that is and it's been growing yeah. slowly, surely, you know, 
And, uh, I, you know, and obviously when the summer comes here, I mean, it's kind of like you make, you get that four month, five months ish area where you can really mm-hmm. make, make a good, decent income, you know, yeah, everything goes back into this. I, I, I don't think I'll ever make a dime from it. Looking at it, like it's all going right back into it, one way or the other, you know. Yeah. But that's what's like I said. I enjoyed. It. I mean, I I got the rock star stuff I do on the side. You know, that's my side hustle. This is my main gig. You know, just making sure because I'm telling you, creating jobs has been the coolest thing I've ever done. Like on my own, I just created a job. I created five jobs out of nowhere. Yeah, you know how cool is that? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like as far as accomplishments go, yeah, I play drums in rock bands. I mean, that's, yeah, but I'm create, I've created jobs. I mean, to me, that's like a, even way cooler. I never thought I would say that. That sounds bizarre to the 26-year-old me. Right. You know, one day, you're, you know, you're going to really want to, you know, create, be, be a member of the Chamber of Commerce and be the mayor of Kingston or something, you know, something crazy. I'm like, what? You know, but I mean, that's what's happened. It's like, it's, it's really neat. And I'm, like I said, I just want to make sure my employees here have a good time and never want to leave, you know? Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Cause you, you, you think of yourself growing up there, right? And you think if I you know all the kids or, you know, the, the young man, young woman, whatever it is, it's, it's going to be, you know, uh, an employee of your, you know, your business. And then they go on to go to university and then they come back and work the summers, whatever it is that like you have those relationships now, but you have that opportunity to, you know, like you said, to, to pay someone like that's really, you know, being in control, yeah. that's really, really a cool thing. And they're learning a pretty good trade, yeah. you know, as far as a barista. I mean, Starbucks and what's the other one? Scooters and all these places, these quick drive through. They're not actually pulling shots out there. Mm-hmm. There's like a push button electronic. It's all pre-done. And blah, blah, blah. it's like McDonald's, yeah. you know, it's fast food coffee. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, we're more of like a, a steakhouse kind of thing, like where you're going to come in, we're putting, you know, a lot of work into it and it's, we're pulling the espresso shots from fresh roasted coffee. You know, it makes a difference and our customers are willing to come in. I mean, we do online ordering, which has been a game changer. We just started doing that. Cause that's nice because you can order online, pay for it and everything you come in. It's, we've got it sitting right there for you. When you come in, you just grab it. It's actually quicker than a drive through to be honest. You just come up, walk in, grab it, get your car and go. Eventually, I'd like to get those sliding windows so you don't even have to come in. But there's a lot of things I'm working on I got to implement, but just one step at a time. Don't get too ahead of myself. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I love it. I need to come down. Next time I'm, I'm passing through, I need to come and say hello and swing by and hang out and see those gold records on the wall. Oh, yeah, I got a few of them. I, like I said, they were in my basement in my house, and I never looked at them. I mean, I, I don't... What do I need to look, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's when we were talking about it with my friends, you know, putting it here. Like I said, th- this is these are the people who need to see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these people that come in here, I went to school with, and they've known me since I was, you know, kindergarten through 12. You know, my whole childhood, staying the night at their house, riding dirt bikes, going fishing with them, all the, you know. And they followed my career, you know, obviously they, you know, I tell people, it's like, I'm going to be the biggest thing out of here until somebody plays football for the Sooners. And whenever that happens, I'll gladly pass them the baton over. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Because I know. And yeah. the thing, like this, going back to that, this is where this stuff belongs. I mean, this is like, they're proud of me and I can tell. And I mean, I'm sure they tell their friends, oh, I know that guy. I know him. I went to school with him. You know, I'm sure they are. I mean, I would. Right. So, and it's, it's neat for me to come back and visit with them and tell them how I've been and tell stories about the different things that's happened in my life. You know, God knows I got tons of them. I talk about all the time. I, I, my breeches are probably tired because they had the same things over They know they know them all by now. Yeah. Save it for the book. Right. right exactly. Save it for the book. Yeah. We'll just do a bunch of uh, interviews to, you know, to video and then you post them whenever you, whenever you're, uh, whenever you go to the pearly gates and meet, meet the big man upstairs, you can leave the videos behind. Right. Right. You well, don't have to deal with the destruction of telling stories. Right. Well, I got some good ones. There are, I mean, I'm, 
nothing too bad. There's a few crazy ones. Yeah. But my wife says I need to like, if nothing else, just audio record it on a voice memo on my phone because I'll remember these stories like I forgot. Like I'll be talking to an old friend of mine and, tell, and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Mm. Some of the craziest things. And I was like, oh, I, I forgot all about it. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That you know, And then it'll kind of, because I never took a journal. If I wish I would have wrote a journal, like looking back on it now, I didn't know it was going to turn into all this stuff that's happened. But like, you know. Yeah. A lot of wild stories. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for an, you know, for an hour of your time and, and safe travels on the road. Um, I'll next time. Well, I'll, I probably won't be able to get down there before you leave, but um, whenever you're back in the fall after the tour, I'll, uh, I'll come down and we'll have a cup of tea. Cup. I'll, I'll bring, maybe we'll have a cup of tea as well. Not just a cup of coffee. We'll have a cup of tea too. Oh, we have tea. We have tea. Where are you from? Wales in the UK originally. Ah, okay. I am a coffee yeah, drinker, but I'll have tea too. I, I haven't gone to Wales yet. I've been, seems like I should have. I've been to England so many times, mm. Scotland, Ireland. That's where I started drinking PG tips, you know, the standard, the gold standard. Mm-hmm. I got on a big kick with that and I was like, oh, I get it. Cause the tea wires me up more than coffee for some yeah. reason. It'll keep me up. Like coffee, I can drink and go to sleep. Tea wow. is a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you let me know, I'll make, I'll make sure I got some PG tips in here for you. All right. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mike. See you, Mike. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahoma.com oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor. They do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma and without their support, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.